Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast with me, Michael Tingser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders in the hospitality and restaurant industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In today's podcast, I'm talking with David Kelly, who is the general manager for Deputy in EMEA. Deputy is an award-winning workforce management platform specializing in communication and scheduling of frontline staff. I sat down with David to talk about how technology can boost productivity, the employee experience, leadership, the industry, and how to take care of your shift workers. So grab a hot drink and enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. Today I have David Kelly here from Deputy. He's the GM from Emir. And uh, he here is to talk about people think maybe scheduling system. That's probably going to be a bit about that. But we're actually going to talk about how you get happy and engaged employees by using technology to do the heavy lifting. So welcome, David. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. We met for the first time this morning and we had a little chat. I can already hear the shared values. I knew that because I talked with a couple of other people from your team. So I really look forward to talking about today. So to people that doesn't know who Deputy is and David Kelly, can you just give a bit about background, who you are and how you came on the journey with Deputy and how it all works out? Sure. Very quickly on me, I suppose the last 20 years in SaaS application management in various um, kind of sales and general management roles. But yeah, I've been at Deputy for the last year and a half. And Deputy's mission is to simply improve the lives of shift workers. For a long time, I think the HR technology market and the investment that has been pumped into it has been focused on permanent employees and knowledge workers. Deputy's mission is to really take care of and improve the lives and experience of shift workers. The business was founded in 2008 in Australia, has been going internationally in the US and the UK for the last three years and is expanding rapidly because it's such a great use case for this technology. There's really, you know, kind of three buckets of pain when you run a a business that requires shifts. It's the setting up of that rotor in the first place, then dealing with absence and changes because as soon as you've done it, it's inherently out of date. And then paying people effectively. Those are the three kind of core sort of tier one pieces of, of workflow. The, the substrata is more the communication and engagement and winning the hearts and minds of those shift workers. And I know, as you said, we share a lot of, of background and, and shared value on that. But principally, the, the focus is on making sure that people are in the right place at the right time, doing the right work, treated well and reasonably and communicated to and, and thanked for the work that they do. When it comes to your clients, just to people get a bit idea about who yeah. is deputy's clients and who do you work with to improve the lives of the, the frontline employees? This morning when we were having breakfast just before this, we were looking at the, the map of our customer locations and I probably got a couple of hundred businesses within a few hundred yards of here just because it's such a high hospitality and retail focused area where we are right now in Yeah, Deputy has about 170,000 individual workplace locations across the globe. The core of the business has always been kind of the SMB market. So smaller, owner-managed could be restaurant, bar, theatre, bakery, anything where there are likely to be shifts deployed. But over recent years, we've grown a lot more into the the mid-market and and into enterprise. And we have large customers, you know, lots of brands that you would recognize like uh, Google, HubSpot, Qantas, McDonald's and others. 
So it's not only in hospitality and restaurants you're represented. You are represented in multiple businesses with services. That's and right. Shifts. I mean, yeah, I think of the offering more as a as a horizontal rather than a, a vertical in terms of workforce management. But mm. obviously, you know, high users of hourly labor, hospitality, retail, and healthcare are probably the standout verticals. But yes, we touch pretty much every vertical out there. Started back in Australia, I know from talking with your team previously, and and, yeah. and why was it that the founders of the business thought that this 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 need to come to life this there's a need for this besides you know making life a bit easier for shift workers yeah you know one of the things that attracted me to the business in the first place was that this wasn't somebody who you know sat down in a room trying to to make money this was fulfilling a, a, a real business need deputy was born out of a, a, an aviation business called Aircare that was struggling to scale and like lots of business challenges you know just just being able to deploy the right staff to the right location as you get more and more complex becomes you know very very difficult to do so the owner of that business who is still our chairman today Steve Shelley owned Aer- care but employed Ashik Ahmed who is our architect coder founder CEO and, and CTO to build a system that would enable him to put the right people in the right place quickly and allow him to go back to doing the real job of running that business and not focusing on the admin and that's always been a key driver for what we do when we try and, uh, and develop I think there is a, a psyche amongst business owners particularly in SMB and maybe in hospitality that it has to be hard it should be difficult but there's a real joy actually in taking a lot of that pain away. I mean, nobody who's passionate about, I know, cheese or owning a restaurant or whatever it might be actually goes into that business to have pain of managing invoices and schedules, right? But we, we can, you know, we can very, very simply take all of that away and, and have people live within a day at the SMB level. So the business is born out of aviation, a, a solution to a, a real and present need. And from that, they started to get a lot of other inquiries about how they've been able to scale so quickly and manage the business so well. And that's when they realized they were, they were onto something. Yeah, I thought it was a business within the business. That's it, that's it. What is your like competitive advance or edge compared? Because people think, well, there's a million scheduling systems out there and where do I start sometimes? And we get that question sometimes as well from when we work with operators or chains that needs a bit of advice on where to go on technology. And, and it's more the sheer volume of things that makes them confused and how exactly can help them before yeah. they sign up. As you say, there are lots of good tools out there. I'd always encourage people to shop around a little bit. For today's market, you want something that's you know native cloud, that's mobile first, that's really, really good UI. Those are the key things, I think. And then you will accelerate your speed to value because your people will want to use it. I think that's the core element that we bring is the simplicity of the interface. Um, so deep level of you know configuration capability that will cope with any type of operation that you run. But at an employee level, you're not going to have any difficulty embedding it across the organization because this is a tool that people want to use. Yeah, I mean, in terms of sort of developing that and getting to the next stage, people think a lot about the core nuts and bolts of scheduling, and, and that's that's great. That's kind of the primary purpose. But as I say, if you have a tool that people are in every day that they really want to use, that you can also use then as a as a messaging capability to try and win a little bit on on hearts and minds of shift workers and involve them, give them greater connectivity to the business that they work for and greater visibility of, of the work that they are going to be doing. Maybe even send them a you know a, a thank you for the work that they have done. These are the types of things that you know the HR world has known are very effective and really pay back for permanent staff but there's been less concentration on it I think at the shift worker and at the hourly paid level. Let's dive down in the industry hospitality and restaurant industry across the globe Australia US the UK it doesn't matter we have what we call the perfect storm there's a rising costs right workforce cliff 
talent crisis. I right. call it a leadership crisis. We have technology changing our world and the yep. way we operate with our customers and employees. Yep. And we have challenges with growth. And we have, of course, also all the uncertainty of politics and economics. So how do you see see the, the whole industry where we are now? And there's been a lot in the press recently. You know, some of the, the big guys, Jamie Oliver was one of the most pronounced ones, but I've been more than him that really struggle and had to throw the towel in the end. But yeah. where, where do you see the industry where we are now and in the coming years? I mean, as, as you've described, it has a lot of significant challenges right now. We do a fair bit of work with the UK hospitality industry overall, which obviously powers such a significant part of the GDP of the UK. Yeah, as you've described, it is particularly difficult right now. I think, you know, there are, there are really three key things I think that you need to do. One is to really differentiate your brand, your service, your experience, not just be another Me Too cafe on the high street. I, I think you need to really look after and focus on the experience of your people in the same way that you would look after your your customers. I would say that, yeah, technology in all sorts of different angles can take the heavy lifting and a lot of the administrative pain out of the setup and ongoing management of that business, whether it's expenses, invoicing, payroll, you know, HR, scheduling tools. There are all sorts of native cloud applications that you can use very easily and very quickly to make sure that you can focus on what you love doing. And that's really, I suppose, the summary of the advice is find a way to focus your time on what you went into in the first place and not get bogged down in the administration and the operation of the business. On your business, not in your business. That's it. Coming to differentials, that's quite a, there's been quite a, you know, a epiphany or a, a lightning moment for many finding out that you can't have these faceless businesses, as I call them, you call them just a, a random cafe that serves coffee on the street. It's not enough to have a great product. Right. There actually needs to be a story to scale right. in a way, and we've seen that as well. Some of the one that thrives in this environment they have a very strong story behind them. Uh, we had had Bills on the podcast. We had Mowgli on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They, they both have like a strong story with the founder. Right. And they march on a banner right. which people can actually, in a way, connect to it. So they, there's like the, there's a people element, there's a touch of that, but also there's a bigger purpose maybe than just opening and closing your restaurant every day and making a profit. They may be help their communities or they do they help the communities making an impact is that what you mean with it as well I like that you need really to find into the core what is what you are and communicate that to get that brand alive Absolutely. I mean, I think people are looking much more now for that level of emotional connectivity with something. You know, even if you look at the coffee industry and Coffee Republic are a big uh, customer of ours and they're requir- acquiring lots of different brands. Coffee Works Project, actually, in Islington, where I live, is a, is a favorite of mine. And when you go in there, you can really feel the passion for the subject area. It's kind of in the narrative of that brand that they have a real interest and passion for coffee. And that comes through in all of the service that you get, comes through in, in the brand. It comes through in the environment. The experience of being, you know, within that particular unit is just a very, very positive sensation that you're left with. So that's a, an example for me of something that's that's working well. You know, say that you, you're, you're spoilt for choice in London with places where you could go to get a coffee, but I would I would search that out because it it resonates. Yeah, and I, I think it's also coming back to it. Let's say that people actually want to know there is actually humans behind. I think they, right. people want to connect with that and feel that. But also it's a bit like, you know, you have to make a choice. I talk with a lot of operators about it and we, we don't do branding and marketing, but I say, well, if you're not really different, if you're not Marmite, how do I know that I'm actually joining something that connects with me in a way? Because you actually have to stand out if you're just standing in the sea of all the other brands to communicate the same things. How are, you, how are they going to know they're going to join you yeah. on that journey? How, yeah. Why should they go on that journey with you yeah and and then people like 
you join Apple or whatever kind of movement you 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 join. I think there has to be something bigger than that. And I I can definitely see that uh, the emerging chains has a better foothold here. Like Honest Burger, it's quite good to yes. have a voice and yep. being direct about it as well. And you have other operators, individual operators like we have uh, Mushimo from Brighton. We had on the podcast. They are yep. trying to save the ocean yep. while they run a sushi restaurant. So overfishing, stopping that with a love love fish campaign. So there's actually a lot of lot of small things you can do. It doesn't have to cost a lot. And you have the digital environment to do this now, I say, I say as well normally to people. You said a bit about look after your people. How do you do that? We all would say we look after our people. Yeah, you know, I, again, I, th- I think the concept of employee engagement is one that's now very accepted, widely discussed. I mean, it's a massive industry, that kind of, you know, feedback loop. But again, I think the the shift worker often working for a smaller business that doesn't you know have those types of tools, or working for a larger one but is just out in the field and slightly disconnected from kind of corporate communications can feel a little bit lost, displaced, a bit neglected. And that's part of what we aim to do is to kind of plug that gap a little bit. As I say our, our mission is to improve the lives of shift workers, and if we can help organisations you know democratise the way that shift planning happens by you know utilising the tool to allow people to apply for work that's happening at a relevant time for their personal life. And if we can utilize the app and drive attention to that device and send them a communication or a video or a news snippet or a thank you or whatever it might be, just that human desire to be understood, recognized, appreciated, respected. For me, four fundamentals that, again, the HR permanent worker world knows, understands, and has invested a lot of time and money in. That, for me, has not happened for a lot of the hourly paid market. And of course, it's so massive. 60% of the world is paid on an hourly basis. So if we can you know, get to some of that market and improve some of those lives, that will be our mission and our good in the world. 60%, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. That's, um, it's that's huge, quite, isn't it? That's quite huge. Yeah. A lot of people living in uncertainty in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, if you could take that uncertainty away for them as an employer with better communication and maybe, maybe be, you know, more clear contracts. So, yeah, I think that's but that was very interesting. I didn't know that. That, that was quite a, disconcerting in a way in, a, in, in the times when where people are seeking uncertainty. So, yeah. definitely a low-hanging fruit to you guys out there looking at how you do contracts in a way. From an HR point of view, I would say that would be my advice. So, technology... It's an interesting beast when it comes to hospitality. There's a lot of noise around hospitality and restaurants with technology. And I'm, I'm still of the, the opinion that it's not all about the technology. Technology is not going to save the industry, like delivery is not going to save the industry. But it's part of it. And right. it's a thing you need to have on the business agenda. Tech has to be on the leadership agenda every time you meet up, in a way, how you utilize it. Because I still think there's a very low degree of digitization. I think McKinsey did a a survey in 2016. The hospitality and restaurant industry came out in the bottom because of adapting technology. A bit better on the customer side, but when it came to the internal workforce, it was very low. Is that something you still see that we're a bit in the dark ages when it comes to technology and deploying it and really utilizing it? Yeah, it's funny. I'm I'm starting to see a real shift in kind of the generations as they come into the workforce and the way that they use and deploy and have, you know, generic fears of technology projects. So it used to be the case that, you know, you might have a a business of a couple of hundred people that would think about implementing something, you know, as a system of record, and it was a CapEx-driven, time-consuming, heavy lift, right? But the millennials are now in positions where they are buying technology, and they expect it to be on a mobile device, easy to use, no instruction manual, no training, and and live really quickly, right? And then highly integrated with the rest of the stack. So, yeah, I think there has been a, a, a shift in recent times at a generational level 
level. From an industry perspective, yeah, we do still see hospitality probably slightly behind some of the others. It tends to be very well used on front front of house, point of sale system um, through the organization, but perhaps less so within the people organization that actually powers that customer experience. Yeah, and, and uh, so much, we, we talked about it before we went on the podcast, there's so much time to be saved and potentially costs as well. You can save on your labor if you really utilize your labor system well. And you can reinvest that into your business and the people experience. Right. In a way. And 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 especially in these times where there are small margins, technology is gonna be one of the ways to leverage and, and boost performance in your business by actually getting a bit more free time to get as we talked about before, on this business instead of in it and maybe avoid firefighting with a bit of better planning yeah. as well, an overview. I, th- I think the, co- the cost-saving thing is, um, hopefully it's a, it's a pretty clear ROI, right? <laughs> yeah. across, across those elements of just putting the right person in the right job at the right time with minimal hassle. You know, Box Park is an example of the pop-up mal. Yeah. They're using us to, to, to scale their operation and they're saving about 5% on their total labor costs just yeah. on deploying people effectively and making sure that, that all, all, of their, all of their shifts and, and units are staffed. But the, the bigger kind of, you know, potential revenue generator is in this an engaged and committed and appropriate workforce that feels respected and thanked for the work that they do that then stays longer, cares more and works harder. So you've got a cost saving piece on on one hand, which is very, very, you know, easy to see. That other one is more difficult to measure and takes longer to get to, but is the really significant piece of a of a technology like this one. Yeah, and just just the attack on that we talked a bit about before we went live as well. I uh, had a role as director of operation and people mm. and we deployed very early in the 2000s the first online scheduling system we can get our hands on to go from spreadsheets to yep. that and as I said to you in the first year I think it was between 4 and 5% we we, yep. we, we, we actually saved on labor we, we yep. then reinvested into training and that compounded to double digit sales numbers 18 months down the line and, and uh, of course there was something about we changed tweak some things in the concept and we'll give some credit to marketing and so on. But the real big, big thing was in my world because we just was, we were working more efficiently. We had the right people at the right time right. in the right positions all the time. And uh, I didn't have to spend time on following up on sketching. I probably spent my start there in my role. I probably spent about a week or one and a half weeks, a month, just following up on scheduling, looking yeah. into that, how we could be more efficient. That disappeared over six months, you know, and that was time I got back to do leadership develop my GMs so they can do better. So I think that that I totally agree with that RI and I've seen that in real life. And I think it's about following it through as well. I think what I've seen often with technology, I don't know if you acknowledge that, sometimes it's not enough to sign off and just use a part of the technology. You really have to try to understand how can I utilize 80 to 100% of the technology in my business. And I understand that not all features that really give you the, the, the cutting edge that you need, but most of the features will really drive your business forward. Agree, and to the extent that I mean, you know, in the in in the local London hospitality market, you still see. I see it every day. We walk into a restaurant, and you can see a, a paper rotor on the wall. Yeah. Right, and people are coming in to check when they're working. You know, I mean, not 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 a plug for for what we do specifically, no. but just for the wider industry. Yeah. You know, the business case is so clear. This is one of the best use cases I think for say the combination of cloud, mobile, social, and good UI. Yeah. So. 
if you are running your business on you know pen and paper in terms of shift pattern and timesheets, there is definitely a better way. Yeah, and I totally agree. I when we work with operators, chains, and we travel around the restaurants to do you know the first thing we do is like you can call it an audit, an assessment about yeah. where they are, and yeah. we need to get out to the front line to understand that. Let's all find there's a strategy in place, central, but we need to be out there in front line. And we often what we see in these offices is like come into a GM's office, a shop manager's office is full of paper. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, every time I think that that's the low-hanging fruit, let's help them start digitalizing their business because right. that's, that's so much saving in time and actually updating people if we can get them digital. But there's still a fear of going digital because it's a bit like it's not going to work or I, there's also because these people didn't join hospitality and restaurants because they wanted to sit behind the screen exactly. and be academic so that's again need to acknowledge there's a, a transition there and make people feel more you know comfortable exactly with technology. You know, and at the end of the day we are a a service business yeah. not, uh, not, a, not a technology one we exist to make our customers lives easier and, in, and to improve the lives of shift workers so yeah absolutely there's a lot of you know talking and education and hand holding and you know, people can use the tool for free for a month as well to get to get used to it. So we do still find, yeah, that it's very sort of personality driven at the buyer level and can be, yeah, sometimes we need to show people that this can actually make their lives a lot simpler. So when it comes to um, smaller restaurants, because we always always talked about in, on the podcast with other people deploying technology into change, like the independent operator, yeah. which is still a majority off the market yep. in restaurant hospitality and uh, they are probably 80% or a bit more even what would your like your your advice to them because they think oh, I don't have time to do this like have yeah. to put that technology on what I have already works you know and I just have to you I think you mentioned a bit earlier about it has to be hard I just need to work harder yeah put in these extra hours to get there yeah you know we really enjoy a lot of the stories that our customers tell us saying mm. you know god before I before I deployed a tool like this I mean I was a little bit scared of utilizing software but I just got so used to doing you know kind of payroll corrections and calculations at weekends you know and I didn't make my son's football match or my you know daughter's band practice or whatever it might be and just in terms of that weekly issue of dealing with staff absence and you know the fact that you would never have to use the phone again right when somebody calls in sick these are the types of things that it's a it's a joy for us often to see the impact that it's had on a, on a business and for people's lives when you take all of that hassle and pain and angst and administration away so yeah like anything it's a bit of a leap of faith if you're going from a world where you've never used these types of tool before but as I say we give, we give ample opportunity to to try before you buy and you know we're happy to get people's own content and schedules and locations loaded in within within the tool for them but I, I really you know when I'm speaking to customers I want them to understand just how much time it's going to give them back and how much it's going to improve the overall experience of the employees because you know it tends to be the the manager or the owner that's actually buying the system and is largely using the desktop application but it's the employees who are going to receive the real benefit because it's just going to make their lives a lot easier and general in tech that's a lot when I meet small operators they have a perception technology is expensive. I said, well, 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 we are in a very different place now than we were maybe just five years ago. Technology is very affordable. It's uh, You are talking about if you're buying that or a new pan on a monthly basis. Right. So I don't know if you agree with that. Like Technology doesn't have to be expensive. I know you have a very fair fair model as well. And, and, and it actually will go up and down as you need with the number of staff you often have with many, many technology SaaS platforms. Yeah. So again, I, I guess you would uh, say that it, it is not the, it's not the cost anymore. 
that it, it may be the cost if you choose the wrong technology, but it's not the cost of if you really find the right technology for you. No, I mean, and uh, particularly at the at that sort of um, size of business that you're talking about, I'd say you know sub you know a couple of hundred hundred staff. Or, I mean, even as low as the business case starts, I think really at about you know ten. Mm. Uh, 10 staff and you're just operating a cafe there's probably enough of a uh, coordination of who does what where and when that this type of proposition lends itself to to, to helping but yeah across, across that sort of size of business no setup cost we don't lock people in for the, for, for the long term we allow them to pay kind of on a monthly rolling plan and it's the classic license subscription model where you just yeah you, you pay a, a fee per, per user that is kind of less than a cup of tea yeah it's netflix world so yep. that's yep. the same when it comes to technology in the workplace seeing the industry the next five years what do you think is going to happen from when you come from supplier technology world and look into the industry what do you think that's going to happen in, um, in, in the broader trends I think first of all we passionately agree with all of the recommendations that Taylor put forward in the good work plan and I think fair and reasonable work for all is a you know a thing that we should all be striving for that aligns very well with our own mission around improving lives of shift workers and as I said from a technology perspective there is a very, very clear and evident use case for this. I think the next phase of, of growth, obviously technologies like ours that are cloud native need to be very, very flexible and highly integrated with other apps and you know across the ecosystem. So we have switch on integrations with point of sale systems and payroll systems. And um, increasingly we're seeing uh, same day pay operators come into the market as well. So the idea would be that as soon as you finish your shift, you can immediately get paid rather than have to wait for weekly or, or bi-monthly or even monthly salaries. I think the the qualitative element around the service that individuals are giving out in the field is going to be something that we'll see this market develop into. So, you know, the quality of the customer experience is defined by the capability, interest, behavior and competency of the person that is delivering that experience and, and interaction. So I think we'll see a lot more tracking of what that is and how we can best leverage it to make sure that you know you're putting your your kind of a team on your really really busy shifts and then i think i think demand planning is really really interesting and the use of ai for demand planning so most of the hospitality world around here has a series of different inputs by you know individual location whether that's footfall or weather or whatever it might be and you can kind of crunch all of that data now and start to automatically schedule your 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 shifts appropriately so the qualitative element ai and ongoing integration capability with the wider ecosystem. Do you think the industry is going to come out on the other side looking very differently than it, it looks today? Up to now, we've been, you know, the last 10, 15 years, the, I would call the, the McDonald's trend of like big chains, yeah. very commercialized. Would you think that comes out in a different way or you think we will come back to the similar theme, the similar growth of businesses again and there will be more chains and the, the number of our small operators will go down you know there's a parallel here with the with the technology market mm-hmm. actually um, in that you you have the the big sort of you know platform type offerings and you have the best of breed specialists yeah. and you know the pendulum for me always swings back and forth a little bit but the reality is I think you need both the UK market particularly on on the high street right now for, for sure you need to be thinking about what your experience is and how you can offer something different but if you're a large chain you you know, you have very, very different uh, kind of operational challenges right now. As we discussed, there is high taxation and short labor pool and Brexit pending. There's a lot of, uh, of difficulty and challenges within that market. You mentioned before data. You said that was like data will be even stronger and better as we go forward. And we had Simon from uh, Tahole 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And data company, they bring in data for all kind of system and give, you know, operators like the, the perfect dashboard to, to make better leadership decisions. The industry is known as being a, a gut feeling industry. We make decisions on, on our gut. And that's how my mom and dad ran their businesses. Uh, but in the speed and the complexity we work in today, gut are not a good thing. And gut has never been a good thing for me. If it's a people decision or a financial decision, you need to get your facts in place and understand the why, why, why of the situation. And I guess even smaller operators kind of be able, if they deploy and utilize technology in the right way, be able to make better decision if they really have the right input into their systems and uh, both on their post workforce management system they, they're going to be better to you know prescribe how the future is going to look and and confirm that yeah and you know i think a lot of smaller businesses think that that type of you know driven data crunching solution is for that's for the big guys right mm. i can't afford that but I, I challenge that i don't think that that's the case anymore i think there are lots of decent providers out there uh, that will do the same as we do and charge on a basic subscription model with you know, little or no setup fee that would allow you to really make sure that your business is optimized for the specific, you know, environment that you have on, on any one particular day. Yeah, I think there are there are a number of different ways in which you can use and leverage technology to optimize your business, but particularly within hospitality and retail. I think that that opportunity that you have now to make sure that you're always maxing out on your potential sales based on the, you know, the weather or say the, the events that are going on locally or whatever it might be, making sure that you are optimized. Um, I don't think that has to be a a heavy lift or a, a long and difficult and costly implementation anymore. I think those days are over. It's quite interesting when you talk technology, even restaurant companies, we, you know, seen McDonald's quite aggressively out buying tech companies, mm. big purchases, mm -hmm. and it was a customer customization tool. So they bought Tooting and an app company from New Zealand as well to actually, in a way, to become more digital. McDonald's have been driven this strategy for years. Even when I was there, it was like a, a focus on we were we were light years behind. We need to get in front of that. And now you see McDonald's set the standard for what restaurants should become. You have companies like Vita Mojo in town, which is a tech business running restaurants. And you have a Sweet Green in the US, if you ever heard about them. They're quite technology, blockchain, yep. especially in the supply chain. Do you think we're going to see more bigger restaurants going into tech as well and trying to build and sell tech products and not yeah, just I mean, on run-on I mean, restaurants? Certainly, certainly at, the, you know, at, the, at the McDonald's end of the yeah. scale, yeah. all of these businesses are have gone through or are still going through their transformation to digital. Right? And as they do that and start to recognize and own the value of the data that they generate, you know, it's a it's a much different question now that should we buy, build or partner becomes a very different proposition, I think, in the data world. If you can potentially monetize the, the data that you hold, it could well be that you end up moving from being a, you know, a restaurant provider into, into building software. But the reality of that, I think, further down the scale is that there is still a very very good business case for outsourcing and, uh, and licensing and utilizing you know off-the-shelf products from from people that that know their tools very well and I guess also that sets the standard for higher digitalization across the industry when the big boys goes out and do these things and become more involved with technology because you will always as a smaller one look at what are they doing up there and what can I learn from them and I guess that would help driving that digitalization that is needed compared to other sectors like retail where I think Hospitality is still behind retail and take banking. See what's a big step they're taking and still are going through to yeah. become a more efficient 
business yes by utilizing technology yeah yeah i think i think you're right that the you know the smaller boys tend to, to look at what the, the the big guys are doing but there is always a very very different overall operational structure to the rollout of technology when you are a large organization yeah. right and that is still very complex on both sides on the customer side and on the vendor side it's still it's still difficult there's always bumps in the road and things that you need to get past but yeah at the, at the smaller end there is no reason really why you can't kind of pick up these tools use the you know the native application out of the box stick your own content within it and and be live very very quickly and you shouldn't be expecting to pay you know much money up front for that you've been a, a leader for some years maybe you haven't been running restaurants but you definitely have leadership experience mm-hmm. what is the you would what is your biggest learnings as a manager a leader of business you will bring on that could be adapted into you know a hospitality business leadership is leadership yeah i think there are some common traits to it yeah. and if i had to summarize it all in in one quick soundbite it would just be respect actually i think if you treat people with respect that means that you communicate to them effectively you know and understand that they have other interests and commitments you thank them for the work that they do you are interested in their opinions there's a real i think human element to leadership today rather than just providing instructions and and barking at people i don't really mm. don't think that that works to get the most out of your people i think they need to feel as though the environment is supportive there needs to be a, you know an energy and a, and a buzz around it and you know you need to provide that guidance to where you think this can get to and provide a little bit of confidence and inspiration along the way so yeah i think it's changed quite a lot over the time that i've been working for the last 22 23 years but i think it's gone in a much much better and healthier direction. It's very interesting um because you actually tapped on a couple of things I totally agree with and, and respect is a it's a very easy thing to do but it's a very difficult thing to practice as a leader mm-hmm. and uh, it all starts with yourself. How do you lead yourself? How do you respect yourself? How yeah. do you lead and respect other people and how do you build the playground? How do you lead the organization and respect that organization? Make that playground of energy as you said. That's very interesting. So to to get that experience and uh, inspiration uh, where do you go for inspiration who is your heroes and omni as people on the podcast where 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 do you get fuel from because uh, is it sometimes a lonely journey as a leader for business as well yep can be gosh the the, the concept of of heroes for me is is a little bit uh, yeah. of a strange one yeah. it's not a a bit of terminology that i kind of attach to that much but there there are there are definitely people that i look at and and respect and um you know inherently drawn to and interested in lots of them actually in the world of sport i just find that he's a good example like a, the grit and determination of a Rafa Nadal is something that I respect and get a great deal of enjoyment out of of his competitive nature but all delivered I don't know whether you've seen him interviewed afterwards in a very very humble reasonable respectful persona that he is so I think that's a great that's a great combo from a business perspective I mean I I, I like the diversity of someone like a Geldof that's mm-hmm. been you know both pop star entrepreneur philanthropist author I think that's interesting because there are, there are a heap of people in the in the SaaS world which has been kind of my domain I guess Benioff is probably a standout it's incredible what 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 that organization has achieved and yeah a whole bunch of people I guess in in the philanthropy kind of charity world but I'm not very good probably at you know necessarily taking specific things that those people have done mm. and say here the, the the hero terminology for me is just something that I don't personally engage with that much but mm. the, I guess those are the guys that I sort of follow and, and I'm interested in yeah and I think it's also about we everybody 
does it in a different way I often say like we all choose different things or more connected to one individual or see things from more angles and uh, yeah and I, I I just like you use the word heroes because then you can in, in imagine that somebody you look up to and like to mirror in a way and and I have it the same I, uh, I I probably over the years have taken a couple and now I'm back to like probably seven different sources of inspiration always go back to read that book again like books let's talk about books are you a big reader of books increasingly digitally actually yeah. and, and in, in in short snippets yeah. in a you know kind of time challenged world the the podcast mechanism actually is a yeah. great and very handy way to to absorb content i guess kind of what color is my parachute type of you know personal development yeah. and you know finding the key thing that is likely to get the inspiration out of you to be something that you really you know hone in on and allows you to to build great in the end of the podcast we we um, always ask the the people on them to give like one advice to people out there in the the industry. What would that be if they started or not started? Whatever you can maybe put the the tech tech angle on. The tech angle oh. on it. This is not not a, a plug for us, but for I guess for for us as an industry. But if you if you are managing a business that uh, where you have staff that work shift patterns and you are doing that manually please don't <laughs> because there's just a you know there's just a whole heap of tools out there that will help you with that and we are one of them but largely i guess the back to the respect piece i, I passionately believe in this connectivity between a, a well-managed enthusiastic talented and capable and appropriately behaved workforce that is well treated remunerated for good and fair work and thanked for the role that they do and that of in itself will power a great customer experience in pretty much anything that you do. So we're, we're big believers in that. Yeah, and I guess the customer experience come back to what you said before, the return of investment, which is broader than just a cost saving. It's many other offsprings like increased sales, right. I guess, Cust- turnover. Cu- customer retention. You employee know? retention yeah, all and all that. that. Yeah, great, great, great stuff. David, thank you very much for coming here on the Hospitality Maverick podcast, talking about leadership, people and technology if not all of it, and then also just raise the the awareness about the word respect, which is a very important thing in the time we live in, I think. (laughs) Agreed, agreed. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, David, for sharing your insights about tech, leadership, and how to improve the lives of ship workers. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for helping making these podcasts awesome. We hope you enjoyed today's Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. Tune in next time for another industry interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be Maverick.